welcome to Make Change Fun and Easy with your happiness expert, Samia Bano. This is the podcast to help change makers, coaches, trainers, and healers break your chains of fear so you can create the impact and income you desire with fun and ease. Please make sure you subscribe to enjoy every episode. This podcast is sponsored by the Happiness 101 program. Hello, salam, shalom, namaste, sashikal, aloha, hola, ciao, bonjour, buna, and privet. It's really, really good to be with you again, and I know you'll be so happy you've joined us today because we have a very special guest, and it's Dr. Rani Kanakudi. She is a clinical hypnotherapist, life and relationship coach, astrologer, and speaker. Welcome, Rani. Thank you, uh, Samia, for inviting me to your channel which is called Make Change Fun and Easy. It's so happy. I'm so grateful and happy to be with you and to be with your audience. Really been waiting for that. And thank you for giving me this opportunity. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you with us and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And before we really jump into that, Dr. Rani, will you please tell us more about who you are and what you do? All right, thank you. So I am based in the UK. My main profession is an academic. So I teach at university. But during my extra, my part-time, my evening hours, I am a hypnotherapist. I use rapid transformational therapy method. I am also a past life regression practitioner. And like all the things that you said, I am a Mars, Venus life and relationship coach. I do astrology, tarot reading, and life force compassion practitioner too. So... I've been doing that for the past three years since I've started that journey of healing myself. And uh, I am also the co-author of two books. And the first book is called Love and Coaching, which is, I am sure many people will know of that author. It is Dr. John Gray. is the famous author of Men Are From Mars women from, are from Venus. So we, I co-authored with him and 30 other coaches and we have that book called Love and Coaching. And uh, I have co-authored with another lady called Susie Dent and her book is called Bare Naked and Beautiful where women share their journey of uh, being having been abused and how they recover from that and how they've healed from that. Mm-hmm. And I also have a podcast, which is called Amazing You by Dr. Raditha Kodi, and I have a YouTube channel. That's about me. That's all about me for now. <laughs> That's amazing. You're doing so many, so many amazing work. I love it. And um, 
what is your most favorite thing to talk about? My favorite topic these days is to talk about is to talk about um, the the mind, the rule of the mind, and one of the rule of the mind is it's all about the pictures we make in our mind and the words we say to ourselves and that would give us the life that we want stop uh, one thing these are the two things that i found are really important to have that life that we are look, all looking for ah that is a very very interesting topic i know when we think about making change fun and easy you know uh, definitely working with our mind in terms of the pictures that we make the words that we say that is such a critical component of how we make change fun and easy so i would love to dig deeper into that with you so tell me more like what do you see are some of problems people are struggling with in this context um because of which they're not able to create the life they want Yes, as a therapist, I have so many people coming to me with issues like anxiety. I'm sure you are aware of mental health issues, of depression, of not feeling good in their own skin, having suicidal thoughts, and I I think it's a lot to do with mental health issues. You know, these days it's I have a lot of clients coming to me with those issues yes yeah and so if you take um issue like a anxiety how does that relate to let's say the pictures that we make in our mind yes because anxiety it comes from a thought it comes somewhere it comes from the thought that we have created without being aware we don't do it intentionally these thoughts these negative thoughts because anxiety is something it's not something positive it's something that affect us affect our well-being so it's it comes from a negative thought that has a root somewhere and very often anxiety it comes from our conditioning it can be from our caregivers or where we've been brought up from our school from our society from listening to the news and all that and the the media so all these have been impacting influencing we are being consumed every day by these all these different things in our environment we hear of uh if you just look at the newspaper you will see so many so many tragic things happen and when we read we look at all that without being aware it impacts our subconscious mind it goes inside you know our our subconscious mind takes on everything it's like a big computer it stores everything in and then without us knowing then the next day we get up we don't feel well we don't know what we are having 
in our body we don't know what to do but and then that builds up and builds up you know it's all these negative feelings emotion all the negative news starts to impact on us without us knowing it goes to our mind and then it goes to our mind then we start to have negative thoughts about ourselves then when something small happen in our life let's say we have to go for an exam then that those negative thoughts are so strong in our head so then we start to think oh no for i'm just giving you an example of one of my clients who came to me she came to me and said she can't pass the exam so it's the thought she was having she would fail the exam so it starts with a thought and the thought that was created it create feelings now because when she had that thought that she can't pass the exam now she starts to feel anxious she mm-hmm. starts to feel scared so yeah. now those feelings that she started to have those feeling of being scared and anxious now these feelings they lead her to not being able to take the not being able to revise properly for her exam because mm-hmm. these are the fears everything that is being created so it's creating it's preventing her from doing the right thing from doing the right action so she mm-hmm. start to let's say she would procrastinate she would not study she would rather go out and uh, now that she's having those actions that are not doing the right thing that is not studying not revising her work that will affect how the results so when she will sit for the exam when she will go on that day she might have a panic attack it, it is the result of all these thoughts in her mind playing up and when or she might sit in the exam and have a have what we call a um like uh what do you call it i'm sure if they call it a word you have a black spot ah blind in the spot. memory blind ah. spot yes yeah. you got it yes so, so some people have a blind spot some people have panic attack or some people would sit for the exam but they wouldn't be able to focus on the exam mm. so just to show you it's like a looping thoughts just that thought these will create the feelings the negative feelings create the negative actions and the negative results but we can flip that we can change that nice tell me more how do we do that hey thanks for tuning into this episode hope you're getting value out of it for your information this episode has been sponsored by the happiness 101 program are you a change maker coach trainer or healer are chains of fear holding you back from making the impact and income you desire using a unique combination of positive psychology and the spiritual wisdom of our most effective change makers the happiness 101 program helps you break through your limiting beliefs and manifest the abundance and success you desire with fun and ease interested book a free happiness 101 exploration call with me your happiness expert 
Samia Vano. Just use my online calendar link in the show notes. Now back to the show. How do we do that? So when that negative thought comes, because we are in control of our mind, we can't let our mind control us. We are the director of our life. We are the 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 uh, the manager of our life, of our mind, and we have to take control when these negative thoughts come. We have to say stop. We have to. That's why going through different kind of therapies would help. It's important to do your therapies because you learn different ways of doing it. But this is a very just simple way for people if they want to stop that negative thought. You have to stop it. You have to just say stop and realize what you are thinking. Come back to the awareness and realize what am I thinking of? How is that helping? And just say stop and then use what we call a bit of neuro-linguistic programming. You have to reprogram your mind now and say, no, I will think rather good thoughts. So I will think that I am going to pass my exams. I, so I create those pictures. Now I create different pictures because it comes, like I said, the pictures we make in our mind and the words we say to ourselves. Mm. So we start to create different pictures in our mind. We say, we just imagine ourselves sitting and in hypnotherapy, I help the clients through the process to then let go of this anxiety and then create these new pictures and these new words. So then you flip that negative thinking and these pictures, negative pictures, and you start to think, what if you pass the exam? What marks would you like to get? Want to get an A? You imagine yourself having an A, seeing your family congratulating you, and then feel it because the feeling is so important. Mm. So you feel you are excited in that moment. You are happy. You are joyful. You are proud of yourself. And that would motivate you then to keep on studying, to to motivate yourself to study, to love your studies, to do your revision. And then when the day of the exam will come, you will feel calm because you know you have programmed that belief that you can do it, that you have those pictures. This is a goal that you want to achieve. So then you, you will see yourself sitting for the exam calmly, having the great results. And I have seen clients having those kind of results and they have got the exact results that they told me when we did the neuro-linguistic programming, but everyone can do that. It's so easy. We can just create those new pictures and then think about them, visualize them, dream about them, but feel them as well in our body. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest will happen. The rest will happen because then the motivation will come as we keep doing that. It's not like they say, it's 95% mindset and 5% strategy. So it's mm. in the mindset. Yes, yes. I hear what you're saying. And the point that you made about how important it is to feel the feeling. That is so, so critical. I think that is often what a lot of people miss 
when they're trying to use strategies like positive thinking or affirmations is that they're just um, thinking about the words or focusing on trying to reprogram their mind by thinking the words but they are not connecting with the feelings the words are not connecting to the feelings and so then that does not have the kind of powerful effect, the kind of transformative effect that we actually want. I I remember sharing with you, Dr. Ani, uh, in one of our previous conversations that, um, you know, in my own past, uh, when I used to struggle with my trauma of being a survivor of child sexual abuse, I remember spending like hours and hours, for example, in prayer, like doing different prayers, but still feeling miserable. And it's like, why? Why aren't these prayers helping me, even though they're supposed to help me? They're supposed to be prayers that we are taught uh, in my faith, in my tradition, culture, that you do these prayers and it helps you to feel more calm. It helps you to, you know, um, feel better, etc. But I'm saying the words, but I'm not feeling better. Why is that? And this feeling point is exactly one of the lessons I had to learn, but I had to learn it the hard way. <laughs> Um, so this is such a crucial point thank you for sharing that my pleasure the feeling is so important Mm. because we store those feelings in our body Mm. so that's why it's important to feel them because whether it's a feeling of being anxious we store that in the body and it stays and that creates blockages but if we create positive feelings it will create positive emotions that will keep our energy alive, excited, you know? Yes. So can you maybe give a little bit more insight in, like if someone is saying the words, but they're not feeling the feeling, what's missing there? Is it, why isn't just saying the words automatically producing the feeling they have to find what are the so i would say the words needs to have need to be meaningful to them first of all Mm -hmm. you can't just say i am lovable and you don't feel you need that you don't feel you are loved so you need to Feel it that you deserve that. You deserve to be loved. You need to to really believe in it, you know? It's the belief. In creating that belief, it's like, just like we, we have that belief that we can't pass the exam. So it's creating that new belief that, yes, I, it's having the faith, faith in God, faith in yourself as well, and in your ability. Even if you don't see it, because that's how it works. A lot Mm. of people would say, I will only believe, I will only do this if I see it. People like to see and then do. But here it's the contrary. You have to believe and then you will see it. Uh, 
So you have to feel it really with your whole heart. It's putting right. the heart, not with the head. Ah, uh, uh-huh. That's the other key. Yes, yes, yes. You're so right. You're so right because it's true. It's like, so going back to my own example uh, in the context of the prayers and them not having the impact that they did, I can see that um, in my younger days when I did the prayers and they weren't working, I was doing them from a place of like uh, rote uh, memorization and from a place of okay um, I'm doing this because this is what I've been taught to do mm. uh, by my family by my culture but I never really consciously thought about do I really believe in this mm. and actually um, when I think about when my transition started to happen in terms of when practicing prayer um, did start to feel better for me and start to create more impact on me was when I was around my um, like 15 I was around 15 years old at that time and um, that was when I read like a couple of uh, biographies that really had a deep impact on me because both of those biographies they were written by women and they were a big portion of their story was they were talking about times when they them uh, when when these authors went through some trauma in their life and uh, when they were teenagers and even though the traumas that they went through were different from the trauma I went through but because I was like I was like oh they went through their trauma around the same age that I was at the time and I was like oh if they can do it if they can overcome this then I can do it like gave me that sense of hope and one of the very important things about their story in both of those biographies but that was that both of these women were um, sharing how they tapped into their faith and into their belief uh, as religious uh, people. One of them was Jewish, one of them was Christian. And I was like, well, you know, I'm supposed to be Muslim. I, you know, uh, so maybe there's something that um, I'm not understanding about my faith and my practice of my religion. <laughs> and so interestingly, on the one hand, I got motivated to learn more about other faith traditions. But at the same time, I also got motivated to dig deeper into my own faith tradition so that I could, you know, really try to understand it for myself rather than just, you know, um, being in that uh, mode of just doing what I was told. And as I, it took me like a few years, uh, you know, before I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I am a Muslim and I believe in what I'm doing and um, it, it really is having that impact on me in terms of when I practice, <laughs> I feel better, I feel more peaceful and more happy and um, you, you're so right, Dr. Ani, that uh, 
I first had to, you know, cultivate the deep, authentic belief before the practices really started to make the impact. Yes. That's yeah. why I would say to people, it's important to have a coach or to have a therapist that helps you because together you would be able to identify the right belief the right positive belief for you yeah you know? because yeah. by yourself you might read so many books mm-hmm. it's good to read but having somebody to help you on that journey of healing is essential i would say i wouldn't have been able to do it by myself mm. but with the help of all those people that i have requested help this has helped me because also some modalities some people would be able to relate more to because i have noticed that i went to some courses some friend invited me but it didn't have that much an impact on me but it had more an impact on them because they could feel it more uh-huh. specific therapy yes. but for me another therapy works better because that helped me to go deeper and feel it so it yeah. whatever therapies people go to it's all about the feeling and even the therapies would make you go go to the feeling so yeah that is so true that is so true yeah i i i think for sure uh i agree with you that having a guide a mentor somebody who knows something about the healing process about helping you retrain your mind etc um you know it definitely makes the whole process more fun and easy yes Yes. Oh, yes. Um I I I know like um once I started to actually ask and receive the help that I needed in this context uh it definitely made things so much easier I've made so much faster progress also Absolutely. it was like it was like amazing actually yes. to 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 experience how much faster and easier things proceeded and then for a little while i was you know uh i was like oh i wasted like a good 10 years of my life struggling and suffering <laughs> on my own but then you know i realized it's okay you know we all have to go through our own process and take our own time and i yes. wasn't ready to ask for help before so <laughs> all right yes because i have noticed so many people they they are in pain they are suffering even if you ask for help they are not ready so but it's it's sad to see that but it has to come at their own time and some people think they will be able to do it on their own that's the sad part you know on your own it's so so difficult and i know people it took them 10 15 20 40 years for me as well it, I didn't know about all this that I could do this work until I found out and then I started doing the work intensively. Oh, I can't mm. tell you how much I work on myself for 3 years. Samia it was day and night that's all I knew. I was doing yeah. my job but day and night I was doing the work, the inner work and with the help of my therapists and coaches 
like you said, the process goes much faster, much quicker, much more smooth than struggling on your own. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, I, I think it's what happens for the people who think they can do it on their own. It's like there are, I mean, it's not like you, we don't have any capacity to help ourselves. We do. Oh, no. But we do. But just that sometimes you hit a challenge or a roadblock, as it were, that is beyond your current level of capacity. That is beyond, uh, like you need to know um like you need to have an understanding and a level of um, um expertise um in dealing with that particular issue that is beyond what you are currently capable of and yes. so it's important for us to recognize when we have hit our own limit in terms of what we can manage on our own yes. and when we recognize that to then be like okay let me ask for help so because later on the journey of healing as you learn different techniques you would be able to do them on your own yes you, know, you would yes. be able to regulate your nervous system again by yourself yes. and it's going to become much easier you would recognize whenever you have a specific emotions and then you would be able to calm yourself so yeah we we are all we all need healing and we all need help we yes. no man is an island and we all need each other to help yes. each other to heal yes yes exactly i agree with you it's, uh, it, we're not we're we're built as social creatures and it's so difficult uh for us um to you know to to be to have to be alone oh, uh, yes. i mean just just ex an extremely challenging thing to experience that uh, whether it's by circumstances if you're forced to be alone or whether because of your mental health um you know you feel alone even though you might be surrounded by people because i know that happened with me i experienced that i was surrounded by people i was surrounded by family but i felt alone i felt isolated because of my mental health um and either way whatever the reason is that you might feel alone it's a really difficult place to be in because that's just not how we're designed um, yeah. to function we're 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 just naturally social so but it's a lot to do with the environment the society that have made us to feel that kind of loneliness you know mm -hmm. it's the stress put on individuals by society like yeah. i can share with you that um, my parents were very busy so busy trying to make sure that we have everything you know food we can go to school that they didn't have much so many parents nowadays they don't have time to spend with their children uh -huh. and that emotional connection is lacking and when this is missing the child develops a kind of loneliness because mm -hmm. there is no connection with another person 
so they feel they have to find for themselves they have to become much to stand up for themselves so mm. and that's develop a kind of ex- stress in the body of that child you know yes and as we grow that stress then start any other small things will start to trigger that individuals and create more yeah. stress so yeah. it is a societal issue this uh the stress that's making us lose that connection with each other That is such an excellent point, Dr. Rani, because also when I think about the other reason why we might find ourselves uh, feeling isolated or lonely and not willing to ask for help is I know, again, going back to my own experience, um, I was so afraid of being judged and blamed and shamed. Um, and it wasn't just like I made up those fears um uh, in my mind out of nowhere B- because you know first of all um uh you know i as a survivor of child sexual abuse uh until i was like about 14 15 years old i had zero awareness like my family kept me so protected which is very ironic if you think about it i was so protected that I didn't even know child sexual abuse what that was or that mm-hmm. it existed you know um uh, but what I did see on TV uh like I used to sit and watch you know Indian dramas and movies with my family and every once in a while we would end up you know seeing for example uh scenes of women being raped Uh, or at least going through the struggle of you know like they wouldn't necessarily show the actual um the actual rape but they would you know show a sort of lead up sequence of the woman being chased and harassed and being forced down this and that and then they would take the thing off um and there was something and then you know what i so there was that was disturbing in itself but what i particularly felt a sense of connection to without understanding or knowing why i was feeling connection to was in the aftermath that they would show the characters the women there would be this expression of pain and this expression of suffering that they were going through that for some reason i just felt connected to and it was the closest thing that um i saw to my own experience that i was like this is something like what i've been through mm-hmm. and i didn't really understand why i was feeling that connection but i did and then the other things that i saw in these same movies and dramas was that the women were being blamed and shamed and judged and uh so much of i mean so much of the advice that they were given by their own families in these uh dramas and movies was don't tell anyone you have to stay quiet uh about this because if anyone finds out then your life will be destroyed our family reputation will be destroyed you know this and that and 
and I took that in and I internalized that. And, I, and, and it made me so afraid to speak up. Like I didn't, even before I understood, um, you know, what the connection was between what I went through and what I was uh, seeing in these instances on TV. Um, it, these were messages that I internalized. And these are, this is a societal problem, you know, that society teaches us to be afraid to speak the truth and be vulnerable and ask for help because, uh, you know, like so much of the time when you do that, um, you are blamed, you are judged, you are shamed, and oftentimes even maybe given really terrible advice, even by those people who are supposed to love you and help you. So no wonder you're so afraid. I can relate to that because just like you, I have been sexually abused as a child, physically abused. And uh, I was told that I will forget about that. You know, Mm. everything was kept quiet. And uh, I never thought as a child that would impact me. But as I grew up, I was very protected and say, just be careful where you go and don't talk to those this and that person. Just be careful. And I grew up like my family did their best to try to protect me. But to me, I internalized that and it became a fear that I developed inside yes. of me. Fear of going out, fear of uh, I can't talk about it. And But since I've now healed and I can talk about it, and I wrote that in a book chapter, and when I shared it, I realized so many pe- women have suffered mm-hmm. from that. And they have come forward and said to me, you know, I have been abused, sexually abused as a child. I say, yes. I didn't know. And they say, yes, I feel so much shame, like you said, so much guilt they feel. Yes, absolutely. Yes. The root of every abuse is shame, guilt, fear. Absolutely. These are... Yeah. Anger as well, because we have yeah. to internalize that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yes. And so, like, again, it's like, uh, okay, so coming back to our topic of how to create the life we want. Yes. You know, uh, for those of uh, you who are listening, you see right here, you have two examples, Dr. Rani and myself, that, you know, we have experienced trauma in our lives and we have been able to find a way to heal. So it is possible, you know, our yes. our, our heart, our minds, our bodies they have amazing self-healing capacity. And sometimes we just need some help and support and finding the way. Yes. So, and I think it's about sitting with ourselves as well. You know, when you sit in that so many people nowadays are scared of the silence yeah because we are so consumed by the noise Mm. that we are scared to go and sit in silence to face our to face our issues and uh, it's only when you sit in silence with yourself and you go deep and get rid of all those stuck emotions oh my god it's life-changing and life-transforming believe me you and i know that Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. You know, it's interesting about the silence that you mentioned because uh, I have definitely seen that there's two different reactions people can have. That on the one hand, you know, you become afraid of being with yourself 
and yes. being in silence. And so you do all kinds of things to make sure you keep yourself distracted yes. and uh, not feeling alone. And a lot of times, you know, that's um, one of the reasons why some people might choose to, you know, for example, try to self-medicate using drugs and stuff because they're just it's just too painful for them to be with themselves. And on the other hand, you know, I also know a lot of survivors who sort of like just go into this like deep silence and um, um, it's not pleasant and happy to be with yourself when you're traumatized in that silence but um, for mm-hmm. them that's the way that they cope is they just sort of in some ways make friends with the silence as it were and they just become so silent I remember one of the books oh man I wish I could remember them I wish I could remember the name of the author, but that was one of the, uh, I, I read so many books um, that I found so impactful, but I'm blanking on the name. But this was written by a survivor, and this was actually one of the first books that I read. It was, um, that was re- written from the perspective of a survivor of sexual abuse, and um it was um and in she described the silence that you know just sort of engulfed her mm-hmm. and there was i mean again her ex- the experience that she was describing wasn't exactly the same as what i was experiencing but there were aspects of it parts of it that i could so relate to like for example when i found myself unable to ask for help I felt so silenced, you know, and so there were definitely, definitely aspects of that silence experience that she was describing that I could also really relate to. And it just. Yes. Is, like, okay. I, is it a silence or an emptiness? Mm. That's my question. <sighs> Because I have, felt, I have yeah. felt like an emptiness my whole life mm. growing up. And that happened when I was four, when my grandmother passed away. Mm. And uh, I, as a child, you don't know what grieving is about, how to yeah. grieve and all that. And, uh, and then I internalized that, you know. I internalized that and that became a deep emptiness in me my whole life. It's like I was happy to be by myself, happy to be alone. And it's an alo- feeling alone, but it's an emptiness, mm. a deep emptiness that even if surrounded by people, I would still feel empty. Yeah. And until until we both do the work then that emptiness until we learn to love ourselves and do all the different aspects of the work that's when we start to feel alive again i would say yeah yeah there's definitely uh, but it's a very different kind of 
silence when you are yeah. experiencing trauma and a different mm. kind of silence you can go after you recover from trauma yes yeah. yes because exactly because silence in itself is neither good nor bad it's mm. what is accompanying the silence in terms of the feelings that you're having and yes. how you're understanding that silence what meaning you're giving that silence Yes, yeah. it's all to do with the meaning, the interpretation that we are giving. Yes, so it comes back to the words we say Absolutely. and the pictures we make in our mind. Yes, because yeah. words are so powerful. It's the pictures are powerful, but the second, the words are as powerful as the pictures. Yes. Yes, yeah. because... I was reading in the book of life, it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. I think you would have that in the Quran as well, would you? Uh, not that not. specific phrasing, but yes. uh, so tell me a little bit more about, uh, about what you just shared. Yes, life and death are in the power of the tongue because how we talk to ourselves each day, Oh, a power of the tongue. Power of okay. the tongue. Ah, yes. okay, okay, okay. Now I understand what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay. Yes, because yeah. how we talk to ourselves in our mm. mind, what we say to ourselves. Oh my God! Yes. It's like, I've heard all sorts of things. I had a, a, I know of somebody who used to say to his wife, "You would, that she would kill him." And he would have his. She used. He used to say, "You will give me a heart attack." That's what mm. he used to tell his wife. And you won't mm. believe it, Tamia. He died of a heart attack because he was repeating that. He was prophesizing that, and it came true. It came true, and uh, it's amazing how our words are powerful. We can give ourselves. A great life by saying great things for ourselves, yes. encouraging ourselves, or we can say bad things to ourselves that push us down and make us feel more upset. Mm. I had clients who came and told me in the session they find they were saying to themselves, they, "I am, I was, I am stupid." They were repeating that to themselves. Mm. Yes, and that was affecting them in their daily life, their yes. self-esteem their motivation to study it yes. was affecting them so yes words words are very very powerful yes and you know what you just made me think about uh, because you asked if this is a teaching that's part of the quran the quran yes. for those of our listeners who may not be familiar the quran is the holy scripture of the muslims And yes. so it just made me think about how, and this is not just um, in the Muslim uh, tradition either. And the more I think about, you know, like all the different faith traditions that I've studied, I see this uh, in there that there is, for example, one of the uh, practices that most religious traditions have is that they will teach you various chants, various prayers yes. that um, you're supposed to repeat, 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 yes. repeat. And uh, for example, in the Muslim context, there are so many 
uh, little um, prayers that you know if you actually are observant you'd be repeating them throughout your every day mm-hmm. and i think one of the functions of of that one of the reasons why we are encouraged to do that is so that we can train our brain to think these Absolutely. positive thoughts you know yes. these empowering yes. thoughts and these thoughts that um you know sort of reinforce the beliefs that um ground the faith that yes. we are living you know and so repetition it's like what thoughts are you having but it's like not just about oh i had this thought one time and now that's going to change my life no <laughs> the thoughts that are really going to have the deepest impact on you are the ones that you're repeating the most often mm. so yeah, yeah. but i i i am a hindu and i would say i have been on that spiritual journey for a long time i used to yeah. be very religious like yeah. very much practicing all the different uh, rituals and all that in the hindu but that didn't really help me and i can tell you why because i didn't understand what i was saying yes yes See? they are great yes. rituals but i don't they are in sanskrit they are in hindi they are great languages but i don't i didn't understand that and i was just repeating like a parrot Yes, yes, exactly. That's what I was sharing earlier too. Yeah. That I was also doing the same thing with my prayers in my early, yes. early days. That I was just repeating things. I didn't really understand mm-hmm. what I was saying. I didn't really believe what I was saying. So yeah. it wasn't until you know I I started to consciously challenge and be like, do I really believe this? And mm-hmm. what does this really mean? What does yes. this really mean and how do I apply it more and better in my life and and then definitely the most important part was the feeling like I, this was the question is like I want to feel peace I want to yes. feel peace I'm sick and tired I'm done with suffering I don't want to suffer anymore I want to feel peace and so yes. I want to know <laughs> what can i do to feel peace and so like for me that became the guiding question and anything that didn't help me feel more peace in terms of practices beliefs and like i'm giving this up so yeah <laughs> but it's interesting when we heal our we we change the pictures in our mind and the words and we go on that healing journey now we when we read the spiritual the religious book yeah we understand it with a deeper much deeper awareness and we yeah. have a deeper connection as well with the soul yes you know, oh, it's yes it's different it's, <sighs> ah, it's mm. i i would tell to the audience you have to experience it to know what we are talking yeah. about <laughs> Indeed, indeed. You know my relationship with my faith and um with the scripture has changed so much. I remember like a few years ago my sister and I um were having a conversation and uh we were talking about scripture and our relationship with scripture 
and um this was just like a few years ago so i i had already been you know for many years by that point in time been working on developing my connection to source with the divine and you know cultivating that feeling aspect of the connection and so forth and uh so we she and i were um studying scripture together and she just remarked she was like i don't you know she, she and she was feeling very amazed by how like we would we were reading a passage and i would see meaning in it and i would feel a sense of connection in it like have an interpretation and opinion about what i was reading without having to read the commentaries that were written by the scholars and stuff and my sister was like oh, i don't know how you do that and i want to be able to do that and um you know so I, you know that's what i was sharing with her too that i couldn't always do that either mm-hmm. and it really um uh, it, it, it's just i think one of the the missing aspects of how we are taught to practice religion in yes. in our culture nowadays um yeah. that it's so focused on just a surface level performance and yes. you don't really have um i mean um i mean there are people who teach you to go deeper and you know yes. i mean i found my teacher now but it it took so much effort and searching to find that teacher and it should be easy <laughs> you know yes. yeah. because so, all those all those spiritual books wow it's like they don't, they never go outdated yeah and it's only when you go through that journey of healing that you can understand their re- the real yes. meaning of these words you know yes. it's like these words are so impactful so powerful or oh, i have a different way of looking at it when i was let's say before the healing and now after yeah. the healing it's like yeah. really it touches your soul it touches your heart when you read mm-hmm. it and you can even also then put it into practice because you understand yeah. it at a deeper level yes exactly exactly ah thank you i'm having so much fun talking with you and Yeah, I am too. Up. <laughs> oh, do you have any last words or thoughts you would love to share with our audience? Yes, I would like to tell the audience today to something that they can do easily by themselves is to just develop an attitude of gratitude. Is just be grateful I'm going to share that quote with you and to the audience. It says, "Be grateful for everything you have received in your life. Be grateful for everything you are receiving in your life and be grateful for what you want your life as though they, you have received it in the future." By Rhonda Bryant. 
so powerful and because I have done it and I can tell you the more grateful you are, the easy, more easy it gets to shift from a negative thought and to stay in a positive mind. So I would say gratitude is the key to your healing, is the key to having an abundant life and the life that you want. It's a small thing that everybody can practice. Ah, uh, Dr. Ani, we'll just have to bring you back because, you know, this topic, oh my gosh, that of practicing gratitude, such a deep and profound, I mean, it's simple, but it's deep and profound. And most of us, um, yes. we don't nearly practice enough gratitude and we don't know how because we have not yes. been taught. So, um, yes. God willing, we will bring you back and talk more about it. And for right now, my last reminder to all of our listeners is please make sure you check the show notes because we will be dropping Dr. Rani's links in there so you can check out her podcast, check out her books, check out her, um, you know, just her, all her information so you can connect with her and get some help and support uh, whenever you're ready. And until we connect next time, I just wish you lots and lots of peace and joy. Thank you so much, Samia, and to the audience and looking forward to coming back again being with all of you and lots of love and light to all of you. Bye.